to a state of fear. Welcome to a state of fear, the podcast where two guys take horror films and the true stories they are based on from across the 50 states and break down the tragic events. Our audio road trip across the U.S. will take you all the way from a dark town with sadistic past to bright lots of Hollywood. If you're brave enough, the locations and directions, if you wish to see these things for yourself, will be put in the description below. I'm your host, Ron, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Chad. Man, are you ready for this crazy story? I'm ready. You, you've been talking about this for a while, uh, where we're going to be going into a story that I absolutely have no idea about. I, I mean, I've heard of the guy. I just, I've never actually researched the story, so I don't know what he's guilty of. I don't know what exactly happened, but I'm excited to get into it. I really am. It's it's insane. So the movie that we're going to be speaking about is called Camper, the co-ed killer. It was um, released in 2008, directed video. It's a film based upon the true story of Ed Camper, a serial killer who murdered 10 in Santa Cruz, California during the late 60s and early 70s. And, uh, yeah, the <clears throat> I'm, we're not going to talk a lot about this movie because um, I'll, I'll, I'll explain. So, you know, without further delay, let's hop in the car. Let's take a ride over to the state of California, the land of many mysteries, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, definitely. California is a very bizarre place. Been there a few times. I saw my first UFO in California. See, I've never been. I've never been past Oklahoma. Hmm. Hmm. It's 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 definitely um, it's definitely the land of the bizarre. I'll I'll tell you that. Well, California is a state in the Pacific region of the United States with thirty nine point five million residents across a total area of about 163, you know, plus or minus square miles. California is the most populous U.S. state and the third largest by area, and is also the world's 34th most populous subnational entity. Subnational entity, guys, listen, I can't talk. Words trip Ronnie up for whatever it reason. does. I mean, you would think Cal- this would be hard to do or something. Uh, tell me about it. California is also the most populated subnational entity in North America and has its state capital of Sacramento. However, today's film of choice and the true story that inspired it is like. No other. See, I first heard of Ed Camper listening to Time Suck podcast with Dan Cummins. It's a great podcast. He goes in depth, so check it out if you want more backstory to this guy. Um, they're not a sponsor. I just like that podcast, and I want to give him a shout out. So, like Chad, like so far, just you know, I, we ain't really explained much. But what's like your thoughts coming into this? Okay, so so when I hear the name Ed, is it Kemper? Am I saying that right? Ed yes, Kemper. I think cannibal uh for some reason i feel like this guy is going to be a cannibal um that's what i imagine him to be portrayed as that's why I'm, i i imagine him to be i've never seen this guy's face i imagine him to be very charlie manson-esque uh maybe a little more grounded than manson but i, I definitely envision some cannibalistic stuff going on you could not be farther from wrong um no cannibalistic and nowhere close to Charles Manson. Oh, Every but, time. You, you just don't bet on the cannibal. Yeah. So this film, or, you know, quote, unquote, biopic, if you could even call it that, was it was horrible. 
Um, the reviews didn't lie about this one, you know, and a lot of the movies that you watch, um, the reviews, if they're, you know, they could be a lot of negative reviews, but the movie could just be great. And it's just the right people are not reviewing the correct movie. But now I would tell you my exact critique, but I figured I have a, it'd be a little more fun before we dive into the abyss known as the co-ed killer. You know, here's some of the reviews that I found on IMBD. Um, quite dull. Uh, pathetic, nothing to do with the Kemper killings, a rare treat for bad movie lovers, and bad <laughs> acting and not at all accurate, if that tells you anything. And honestly, they are not wrong. Okay. So I, I take IMDb views or I, IMDb reviews with a grain of salt. Just I think because... any review is a grain of salt. Exactly. Like the only way I can enjoy anything, like, the majority of, of times when people say, oh, this shit sucks, I end up liking it. Maybe it's just because oh, I have yeah. shit taste in cinema. I don't know. I, I love trash, but I also love good shit, too. Well, um, it's, you you got to look at it. Like, I think me and you spoke about this before, I think, on a separate podcast. Um, I think you should not be able to critique just any movie you want to just because you're, for one, I mean, I don't know what it takes to become a, a critic. Um, but if. If something's not in, like, like so if me, I think Grandma's Boy, let's just use that example, is hilarious. Um, yeah. I, I just think that movie is just down. But I, it did get, you know, a, a negative reviews from some critics. But I think, you know, if it's not in your wheelhouse of what you find funny to begin with, you're not going to like it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I if you're going to be a critic, I mean, I, I, I don't know. What am I talking about? Anyways, Chad, are you buckled in? Because it's going to be one hell of a ride, my friend. I, I've even got a helmet on for this oh, trip. Shit. I've, got, I, I've got a helmet on. So who is Edmund Kemper, you ask? Edmund Kemper, at age 15, killed both of his grandparents to see what it felt like. Damn. He turned himself in. He convinced the mental hospital and doctors that he was sane enough to return to society. After he was released, he drifted, picking up and releasing female hitchhikers, but he soon stopped letting them go, killing six young women in the Santa Cruz, California area in the 1970s. In 1973, he killed his own mom and her friend before turning himself in again. Mm. So this guy started off at a ripe young age. He just didn't mm-hmm. even care. Sort of. Like, you'll under... I, you, I don't go... We don't go with a depth on this one. I'm not going to go... Like, there's a lot of other crazy shit he did. But, um, like... I'll, I'll tell a little bit of... I'll tell a little bit of stories, like, that don't... Ha- I, die, I don't have the information on just because I, I know it. And it's just kind of funny to... It, 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 it kind of adds to his, um, his story a little bit better. So I have to ask, mm-hmm. was there a motive to what he did? Well, I mean, the, killing your grandparents, that there, there's probably a motive there, right? Like maybe she just didn't give him enough hugs, enough she didn't tuck him in right, no cooking. We're about to get more. we're about to get into it. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready, man. Let's dive in. Let's uh-huh. keep going. Let's keep going. Now, signs of trouble begin early. Kemper had a dark fantasy life. Sometimes dreaming about killing his mom, he would cut off heads of his sister's dolls and even convince the girls, his sisters, into playing a game he called Gas Chamber, in which he had them blindfold him and lead him to a chair where he pretended to writhe in agony until he quote-unquote died. Um, So, as a child, his favorite game was to be strapped to a chair and act like he's being tortured to death. 
Okay. Okay. So you know, I I gotta stop you just for I'm just I'm sorry to interrupt. I just have to say something. Orange just flag. I'm, uh, no, I'm just confused. I. <laughs> okay. So. Gas chamber. So he pretended to be executed. Yes. That was his favorite Damn. game. Uh, he had to have seen this somewhere. Yeah, I mean, you got to think back in the uh, see probably in the forties and fifties, and his. I mean, the law probably had a lot of stuff on TV like that. I don't know. Mm. And I probably not. I don't know. But here it, it gets it gets worse. His first victims were the family cats. At ten, he buried one of them alive, and the second one, the thirteen-year-old Kemper, slaughtered it with a knife. Now, what is not in the article that um, he actually cut one of the cat's heads off and put it on a stick. Why? Yeah, why? sort of like a why, sort of like a trophy. The, why the animals? Why animal abuse? Oh no, animal abuse is like one of the main, one of the most common um, things in serial killers. It seems like a lot of them have like a past with animal abuse. I guess it's just uh, inflicting pain on something that can feel it. To me, that's just so fucked up because it's – and once again, I'm sorry to curse. I, I'm trying to keep this podcast a PG-13, but we're allowed one F-bomb. We're past that now. <laughs> I, I'm, I've always been fascinated with – I don't understand why serial killers always abuse animals. It's, it's so innocent. You, you know, a, a cat, a dog, a hamster, a bird, a gerbil, it doesn't matter. They can't process right from wrong. And, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe well, they it can, is, but it's, it's not to the level a human can. Exactly. Like, it, it's maybe it's that innocent factor that, that maybe, maybe it is individuals off. But I, I've never quite understood that. But, um, Mommy Camper had enough of uh, old Eddie's cat killing, and she uh, she seemed to live with his father for a time, but his father couldn't handle him, so he ended back up with his mom, who decided to send him to send excuse me to send the troubled teenager to live with his paternal grandparents in Northfolk, California. And did Camper hate living on his grandparents' farm? You know, before going North Fork, he had already begun learning about firearms, but his grandparents took away his rifle after he killed several birds and other small animals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you see that coming. On, but on August 27th, 1964, Camper finally turned his building rage on his grandparents. The 15-year-old shot his grandmother in the kitchen after an argument, and when his grandfather turned home, Camper went outside and shot him by his car and then hid the body. Of course he did. Now, afterward, really, not like not long after, he called his mom, who told him to call the police and tell them what happened. Later, Kemper would say that he shot his grandmother to see what it felt like. He added that he had to kill his grandfather so the man would have to find out that his wife has been murdered. Okay. This guy, so, obviously, yeah. is not right. He has some form of, I bet he was sexually abused. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say that this boy was raped. Um... I don't know why people tend to do these crazy outlandish things when they are molested, but for some odd reason, anytime a finger goes in, something weird comes out of the other individual. And, look at me. And I, I'm exactly. Look at look at Ron. Uh, my my point is, I and I apologize. I'm not trying to be insensitive to anyone out there who who may have experienced sexual abuse in the past. It, it is a serious subject. But I I never have been able to quite mentally myself tie that together as to why every person who has committed some form of a crazy murder 
has usually been sexually abused. I, I don't understand why those two things go together so well. Maybe, maybe you know, someone out there can leave a comment, explain it, because I don't understand. You have to look into it like a just a, a quick little fact about this. So uh, the show Mind Hunters on Netflix. Have you watched it? No, I see. That's the thing. I love talking about true crime stories. I love horror movies. I, I love all this stuff. It's hard to watch true crime stuff. I get it. But I cannot watch the the closest thing I can do is Fargo. Um, okay. And, and I, you know, Fargo is usually they say it's always true, but most of it I think is fictional. Um, I love Fargo. Well, that that's it. Do me a favor. Mm. Um, watch the Mine Hunters. Not saying watch the whole thing. Just watch the episode with Ed Kemper in it. Okay. Okay. They, they, they they do they do a. a I think it's one or two episodes where they, it's actually more than he's in a few actually, but uh, like Ed Kemper is like one of the only ones that actually sit down and talk to him. But it's, you know, care. It's not the show. Mine hunters is a, uh, it's not, it's somebody portraying Ed Kemper. So I don't want to get, you know, thinking you're going to see that dude. Anyway. So for his crimes, Kemper was handed over to the California youth authority. He underwent a variety of tests, which determined that he had a very, very high IQ, but also suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. Which I mean, I could see. Mm. Kemper was eventually sent to God Almighty, asked uh, asked to, uh, uh, some state hospital, a maximum <laughs> security facility for the mentally ill convicts. Now, in 1969, now this dude just 15 murdered both of his grandparents. Correct. Mm-hmm. In 1969, Kemper was released at the age of 21, despite his prison doctor's recommendation. They does not want to live with his mother. Excuse me. He was released at the age of 21, despite his prison doctor's recommendation that he not go live with his mom because of her past abuse and his psychological issues involving her. He did move back in with her at Santa Cruz, California, um, where she had actually moved to after ending her third marriage to take a job at the University of California. So I don't know. I, I might get to this again, but I'll explain a little bit how he got out at the age of 21. So Camper would study books like you know all the medical books and stuff like that you know because you have access to a library mm-hmm. but yeah. also the dude was like his where his iq was so high he had a very um his personality he was just people would open up to him sort of they would you know they would kind of like let their guard down and he would be one of the people able to like file patients paperwork and like you know so like say crazy wait, dave wait a minute Listen, they they okay, gave yep. this man access to yes. confidential records. Yes. So he was able to change his records, or not, excuse me, not change his records. He would look at his records and say, okay, well, the doctor said I was doing this. And he would read up on it and learn how to act normal so he could get released. Oh, that's and that's what happened. And, and he got released when he was 21 because doing that. Wow. That is just absolutely I, insane. High IQ, man. I mean, it was smart move. I, I mean, you... Even though he was a murdering POS, um, um, I mean, that's a high IQ play. Yeah, I'm not even mad at the man. <laughs> I mean, you can, but I can't. I can't get mad at him. He just outsmarted everyone. I mean, yeah, but he outsmarted everyone. Like, especially wow. the freaking doctors. <laughs> man. But you know, his mom's working at the University University of California, and um, while there, Camper attended community college for a time and worked a variety of jobs. Eventually, finding employment with the Department of Transportation in 1971. That same year, he began working for the Highway Department. Camper was hit by a car while out on his motorcycle. 
His arm was badly injured. He received a $15,000 settlement in the civil suit he filed against the car's driver. You know, Kemper unable to work. He turned his mind towards other pursuits. He noticed a large number of young women hitchhiking in the area. So in the new car he bought with some of his settlement money, Kemper began storing the tools he thought he might need to fulfill his murderous desires, including a gun, knife, and handcuffs. Now, another little side story. Excuse me. Back in those times, there was a few other serial killers in the area. I think, um, not exactly in California, but I think Bundy was, I think, around that time. Um, I'm not mistaken, the Green River Killer. You know, so there's a few people out there kidnapping women, right? Mm-hmm. So he and he was able to use his mom's, like, employee ID. He would, like, be the nice guy and offer people rides. And at first, that's all it was, was just giving, you know, females rides from, you know, here to there. Without and any... Then, is that anything harm, going on? Right? Well, I don't know if he had any intent to harm in his head, but he never did it fully mm. out. I got you. And right here, like, like even with hitchhikers, like at first, I'm gonna have to call. <coughs> I apologize, guys. At <laughs> so first, Kemper picked Rona. At first, Kemper picked up female hitchhikers and just let them go. However, when he offered a ride to two Fresno State students, Mary Ann Pesky and Anita Luchessa. I probably butchered both of those last names, but it's probably better I butchered their names than it really happened to them. Um, they would never make it to their destination. Their families reported them missing soon thereafter, but nothing would be known of their fate until August 15th, when a female head was discovered in the woods near Santa Cruz and was later identified as Pesci's. Um, Luessa's remains, however, were never found. Kemper would later explain that he stabbed and strangled uh, Marianne before stabbing Anita, as well, after the murder, she brought the bodies back to his apartment and removed their heads and hands. Kemper also reportedly engaged in sexual activity with their corpses. I'm not surprised. I, <laughs> I, first of all, I'm not really surprised that he did that whatsoever. Um, so let's see. What what year did this take place? Um, this, this was, was in around 1973 or four. No, okay, so yes, 1972. So it's been well over 40 years since this event happened. Um, so yeah, I get a pass for saying this. I get a complete pass for saying this. And once again, I do apologize to the families. But he basically just took the skulls back and skull fucked them. Like, ba- right? Uh, am I wrong? Is this what he did? Because that's what it sounds like he did. I wanted to. I'm, I'm going to save one detail for the end of the episode that plays a major role into his last murder. One of his mm-hmm. last murders, but when I when I do reveal that detail, I want you to think about all these other people. Okay. Okay. I so I, just, I got you. So just keep in mind, there's just what you have in your head. You're just keep that up there bubbling and turning around a little bit, and just then when oh, I tell you that last too. detail, I'll. <laughs> So, at the time of Kemper's murders, two other serial killers, like I said earlier, were on the loose um, in that area, but not the two I said. John Lonley Frazier and Herbert Mullins, which I've never heard of, they were also you know, perpetrated at their own crimes, resulting in Santa Cruz, receiving the ignominious nickname the murder capital of the world in the press. Mm-hmm. For Kemper's part, he was dubbed the co-ed killer and the co-ed butcher because, you know, college students. Now, in April 1973, Kemper committed what he would be his last two murders. Um, 
On Good Friday, he went to his mother's home where the two had an unpleasant exchange. Kemper attacked his mom after she went to sleep, first striking her in the head with a hammer, then cutting her throat with a knife, and as he, as he had with his other victims. He then decapitated her and cut off her hands, but then also removed her larynx and put it in the garbage disposal. What the hell? Yeah. After hiding his mother's body parts, Kemper called his mom's friend Sally Hollett and invited her over to the house. Kemper strangled Hollett shortly after she arrived and hid her body in a closet. So, now that we're, uh, we could have went into all of his murders if we wanted to, but that's not what we do here. But I, here's the detail I'm going to tell you about, okay? Okay. That, um, so, you know, when you brought this, the whole skull fucking thing, correct? <laughs> yes, a little insensitive, yes, but, uh, yeah. Okay, so, when he, the cat, he... After he decapitated his mom's head, he had sex with her neck. Oh. Okay. He would do that. I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, he'd done that with every victim that he cut the head when he decapitated them. What the hell? I, what's wrong with this guy? I, I mean, I know all, all the, the, the medical conditions that you listed, but man. Man. You'll find out sort of probably the reason why he didn't have a lot of uh, luck with the ladies. I, I mean, obviously uh, with, you know, being a psychopath probably for one, but. Well, yeah, that probably. I, I'm going to, I'm still saying it. I'm calling it right now. The man was diddled. Um, I'll let you keep I'll, going. Though. Actually, he was, uh, I don't think sexual abuse. I can't remember. I'm not going to say yes or no because I didn't read into it at that much. Um, a lot of it was just abuse, just, you know, like mommy like it was just mommy issues basically so that's why you know he went after women and stuff like that but Kemper fled the area the next day after his you know killing his mom and her friend um driving east until he reached Pueblo, um, Pueblo Colorado where on April 23rd he made a call to Santa Cruz police to confess his crimes now at first they did not believe the guy they knew was Big Ed was a killer okay let me stop right here now why do you think they didn't believe him <sighs> I don't know. I, they, they would have had to have had some... Maybe it's the way that he did it. Maybe maybe he went into detail. He was like, oh yeah, I, I killed them and then I fucked their throats. Like, if somebody calls you and says that, it's like, ah, uh, ha ha, funny guy, but seriously, this is for emergencies. <laughs> is is Am I wrong? Is that why yeah, they didn't way, believe you're him? You're way off. Okay, well, why did they not believe him? So there's this bar in Santa Cruz called the Jerry Room. It was a cop bar. Okay. And that's where Ed would hang out. Ed, uh, he wanted to become a he wanted to become a cop, but he was too big. Um, and I'll you'll understand how big he is when I get to. Can, can I look? A, can I look a picture of the guy up? Go ahead. Go have at it. Um, okay. I'm just. I, I just want to see this guy. You need to, and it's it's gonna surprise you. But he was just too big to be a cop. Like in a lot of you know, there's some jobs out there that you have requirements of size, and he was just too big to do it. But. Again, he was a lockable guy, so he would hang out at the cop bar. And here's the funny part. Like, he would talk to the cops about the murders. Like, he, he would go commit com commit the murder, go hang out at the bar, and just talk to him about what's going on. Like, you know, he wouldn't say, hey, I did that. He would be like, you know, they would say what pretty much what they found. And that's how he kind of was able to stay in front of them the whole time. Mm. That's and they knew him as Big Ed because he hung out with the cops. That's why they didn't believe him because this guy was just a nice guy that was always hanging out, stuff like that. 
Wow, he looks like a a bigger version of Napoleon Dynamite's brother. Oh yeah, yeah. Kip was his name. Kip, I can't remember. But during the you know subsequent inter- interrogations, he would lead to all the evidence they needed to prove that he was in fact the infamous co-ed killer. Ed Kemper charged with eight counts of first-degree murder. Kemper went on trial for his crimes in October 1973. He was found guilty of all the charges in early November. When asked by the judge what he thought his punishment should be, Kemper said that he should be tortured to death. You know, something, I guess, to get him off one last time. He instead yeah, received eight like. concurrent life sentences. At, at the present time, Kemper is serving his time in California Medical Facility in uh, Vacaville. So this dude is still alive. Wow. Wow, why do I? I have a weird feeling like this guy could get out again. No, <laughs> like I feel like he's smart enough to to convince someone, "Hey, let me out." <laughs> like I, I don't know if he did it once before. Who's to say? In this day and age, I'm just kidding, but man, it's crazy though, man. It's insane. He's now a that, dude. Dude, okay. Here's some here's some quick facts about about Oled. He is 6'9 and 250 pounds. Oh my gosh. So, he, looks, he looks like a, he's a tall some bitch. So, first of all, that's how I mean, it was really easy for him to overpower these women, most likely. Because I guarantee he went, he went for women way smaller than, you know, he was. Oh, yeah. There's and no plus, getting away from this guy. And this is a stereotype, and you can hate me or love me, however you people want to do it. But the bigger guys usually tend to, tend to seem more like a teddy bear, so people kind of gravitate towards them more. We have a friend, uh, Keith, a uh, really good guy. You know, he's a bigger guy. He's not six nine two two fifty, but um, you know, he's a hard ass. But at the same time, you know that he would take the shirt off his back for anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a he's a big he's a big teddy bear unless he's you know pushed the wrong way. Um, second, this dude uh, mutilated cats during his childhood, um, killed his granny and pappy because he was bored, managed to fix and falsify all of his medical records and, and stuff while under the care in the loony bin, often kept the heads of his victims. Hmm, I wonder why. Yeah. Murdered his mother in a very brutal way. He confessed to police about everything he turned and turned himself in, and he is still alive today. That's insane. I don't know how... Mm-hmm. How come no one has made any films about this? I'm already inspired to go write something. They would have done a film about him, but it was I, nowhere no. close to even being no like like this. So I want you, I want you to look up Camper, uh, the co-ed killer, 2008 film. I want you mm-hmm. to compare the actor to Ed Camper real quick for me. Well, see that that's what I mean. Like that that's what I'm getting at because you were saying that. It's it's definitely not. Um, it's it's so loosely based. It's basically they just used his name. I, I want to see this. Uh, so this is the co-ed killer movie. Yes. It's called Camper the Co-ed Killer. Oh, Camp Camper the Camper the Co-ed Killer. Oh, that's the guy they got to play him. Yeah, mm. it looks. Nothing. Nope. Nope. This looks like um. It looks like a it it looks like a the dude that plays Camper in this film looks like he should be a Russian henchman in any Mission Impossible film. 
Yeah, he looks like a super villain more than he does. Yeah, his name's Christopher Staples. Excuse me, <laughs> his name's Robert Cisco. Okay, now this guy looks. Uh, this guy looks nothing like him. Now, once you look up Ed Camper on Mine Hunters. Okay, I, I bet it's going to be way more accurate. A dude. <laughs> I think I've seen the guy that played him on my. Oh yeah, he's been. I think that might be that might be where I've seen or heard the name. Jesus Christ, they look the same. They're basically the same guy. The dude that played him in the TV show is a little bit um, broader. Yeah, he's he's a little more round in the belly. But but all in all, like the if you watch the show and also like watch actual interviews with a camper. It's almost to a T. The dude was, uh, you know, s- sort of soft-spoken and stuff like that. It was just, it's insane. Wow. That, that is insane. That's why I'm saying, like, the, the that's why I didn't really speak much of the, I, I chose this movie just because of Ed Camper himself. Yeah, yeah, um, I know. Yeah, we, because, we, had, we had mentioned that. Yeah, the, the story of Ed Camper is just insane. And, um, and, you know, with our podcast, we, we kind of compared the two. So in this one, obviously the, uh, if you, you guys want to watch camper, the co-ed killer came out 2008, you have the direct video. Um, you can watch it, but you're not going to be impressed at all. I, I have to ask, uh, was there a location of like maybe his childhood home or anything like that, that our listeners could, our aficionados out there could go visit? Was there like any area of interest i mean you could probably go to i mean definitely go to the um facility he was kept in i mean you know that he's still in today i mean trying to get in um for sure i mean or you know because a lot of stuff happened he he would just do it as apartment um it's kind of hard to find his actual uh you know stuff to where he he lived at and stuff like that so gotcha it's um basically you because a lot of stuff he did was just like he would dump the bodies on the side of the road so i mean it's there's really no actual locations it's just i mean unless you try to find i know i couldn't find his apartment or nothing like that when i did that when i tried so i couldn't find exactly where he lived at the time of the murders so so it's basically just kind of a cut and dry situation with uh with old ed yeah yeah it makes sense it makes sense Wow. He's a sick dude. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about him other than he's a sick man. Oh, I agree. I agree. I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand why no one has actually made a proper film about this guy other than the show Mindhunters. And I'm sure he's not even in the caliber of that show as much of as an important role because I, I know the general idea um are the the detectives basically pump uh serial killers for information about other serial killers correct yeah so it, like that so um you'd have to look more into um the fbi they're uh, kind of like what mine hunters based off when they first saw like profile and serial killers stuff like that so ed camper is like a played a big role in helping um, kind of set that all up, you know, profiling people, able to, you know, kind of give, you know, his first hand, you know, his first 
so it's like basically they'll if so if there's a new serial killer they'll go talk to them and they'll help them profile and it helps them with a broader range of finding the next guy that might do the same thing I see. or gal I see. sounds like an interesting show I'll, I'll definitely check it out like i said before true crime for me it's so hard to really invest myself into because I, I I'm not as fascinated as I would say most people are with serial killers, so to speak, but I'm more fascinated with the fictional works that go into it. Um, oh yeah, the inspiration, if you will. Um, and if you could, if you could get like, I'm, it's hard to make a a gruesome um, horror movie, especially depicted on true events like that. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's hard to get away with because I mean, the you know the the rating system well, the and family, stuff like that. Families, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure the families want to remain somewhat protected. Exactly. I mean, you could easily always, but I mean, it's just I think it's just one of those things like this, which is way too. Um, it's just freaking insane. You say that again? No, for sure. One hundred and ten. Oh man. Well, so as so, yeah. we're guessing it's E, Chad, uh, we're gonna we're gonna mark our lovely trip down to California. Good to go. So we're gonna pull it into our rest stop until next time, and we'll see you guys later. <laughs>